We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome to the Rotowire DFS podcast brought to you by FanDuel.com, the leader in one-week fantasy football. I'm your host, Josh Hayes, joined as always by Benny Ricciardi as we break down all the latest injuries by position and talk about the replacement value on FanDuel here for week three. Benny and I will also talk ownership percentages following the Thursday games uh, that have locked for the tournaments and break down your best GPP and cash games options based on those percentages. You can always find Benny on Twitter at BennyR11 and over at RotoCurve, RotoWire, and as a featured writer on the DraftKings Playbook. And you can also follow me on Twitter at JoshHayesFS and find me hosting the Daily Slant DFS show and writing for ProFootballFocus.com. The Rotowire DFS podcast is now available on iTunes and Stitcher, so if you get a chance to rate and review us, please go ahead and do so, and don't forget to share and subscribe. Benny, what's going on, my man? Not too much. Pretty happy. We got a nice fall weekend here. A uh, little bit of DFS soccer in the morning, a little bit of DFS college football in the afternoon, a little bit of baseball tonight, making some lineups for NFL tomorrow. It's going to be a good day. Absolutely, man. We're just chock full of fantasy action here going on. So got a lot of great stuff coming up here. And uh, let's go ahead and kick this off with the injuries. So we're going to help people set their lineups here for the weekend and filter through all the, the questionables and the outs and the probables here. So we'll start right at the top of the quarterback position. Who's in and who's out for week three? Well, there's three quarterbacks that are out, um, guys that people usually play. So we got to make sure everybody knows about them. Uh, Drew Brees was ruled out, shoulder injury, so Luke McCown is going to be starting for uh, New Orleans this weekend. We got um, Jay Cutler is going to be out, so we got uh, Clawson in there, as everybody knows, against uh, that Seattle defense. That's not going to work out very well for them. Yeah. Um, and Tony Romo, obviously, is out as well, so Brandon Whedon's making his first start this year. Yeah, interesting that um, pretty much basically everybody is off all of these guys based on the ownership percentage. I think Brandon Reed's 0.8% owned. But I think we can all agree just really quickly that we're not playing any of these replacement options for cash or GPP here in week three. Agreed? Yeah, none of them are on my radar at all. Not somebody, even in a GPP, I'm not playing any of these guys. I think the only thing that we basically need to mention here is that this probably puts a pretty big dent in Brandon Cook's value. Going into week three is a guy that I normally like, but I'm so I'm actually going to be off now um, because a lot of his value is tied to Breeze, and I have no idea how effective Luke McCown is going to be, but I'm not optimistic or don't have enough gamble in me to roll him in there. And then sort of the same thing can be said with, with uh, Eddie Royal, Alsh- Alshon Jeffrey there for the Bears. I think actually this probably maybe bumps up Matt Forte's value because they they 
at least for maybe the first half of the game, are going to have to try to rely on him um, to to be the consistent factor in the offense. So there's that piece of it, though. Having said that, it is Seattle at home, so it's still probably not a great matchup for Forte. You could just maybe expect that he might get a few more touches than normal, at least in the first half. And then for the Cowboys here uh, as well, a lot of people who felt good about um, Terrence Williams there back there in week two and week three. Does that change the value for you for Terrence Williams, for uh, Jason Witten, and for Joseph Randall? Um, well, I think if anything, it probably helps Randall. I think they're going to have to try to keep the ball on the ground in this game. I think Whedon is probably the best of the three guys that are coming in here. Um, you know, Witten is pretty banged up as well. I mean, I don't know. I just, I really, like I said, I am staying away from all these quarterbacks and probably most of the wide receivers that go along with them. Williams would probably be the one guy that I would like the most out of all the wide receivers there. I completely agree with you on the Cook situation. Um, there is absolutely not one pass catcher on Chicago I want to use, especially if Jeffries really is out, which I think he's going to be. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, it's definitely a downgrade to all these guys. So you, you just want to be weary of it. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, Atlanta's a a soft matchup there. So I guess if I had to trust one guy, I would trust Randall the most, like you said there as well. But I do have concerns about how productive Terrence Williams could be on the outside with a a significantly less accurate Brandon Whedon. But I do feel like Jason Wynn's probably still a good safety valve for, you know, uh, crossing routes and, uh, you know, middle of the field stuff that Brandon Whedon has a lot more, you know, I guess, opportunity or ability to produce with. Let's go ahead and talk about the running back position. There's a slew of guys that uh, we need to update and talk about and um, figure out as to whether or not we can use them he- this week here for our FanDuel cash game and, and GPP lineups here on Sunday. Yep. Um, well, let's start right at the top. There's there's a whole bunch of guys, whether they're heard or just questionable. So we're going to go through them all for you. Uh, DeMarco Murray is at the top of the list here for me. Um, He did practice on Friday, and they're saying that he will play. But they're also saying that even though he's going to play, he's very likely to be limited, uh, have probably a little bit of a reduced role in that game. So I guess that is a little bit better for Sproles, maybe even like a guy like Ryan Matthews. Uh, We have Lamar Miller is questionable. And this one, there's not a lot of information coming out, which is something that always scares me because that always makes me feel like it's, a little bit more serious than you even think it is. Um, and again, he didn't finish that game last week. We had Damian Williams running there. So if he, if Lamar Miller is going to be out, Damian Williams is the guy that's going to be in. And it's looking like that may be a real possibility. Uh, Tevin Coleman for Atlanta is definitely out. So Devonta Freeman is going to see you know basically as many touches as he can. He actually had 13 touches in the first week with Coleman in and 16 touches in the second week after Coleman got hurt. So I wouldn't doubt if he does get 20 touches here. The problem is I don't know what he's going to do with them. Um, doesn't average a lot of yards. He does make a couple catches for you, so that might help. But uh, that's definitely something else to keep an eye on because Coleman is definitely out with those ribs. I like it overall there. It's not the greatest matchup in terms of you know playing offensive players in Dallas. But when you take a look at the price, for, in- for, for instance, it's 6500 He does have the ability to be a factor in the passing game, so I like that piece of it. And the other thing that you get to take a look at here, ownership percentage-wise, uh, Devontae Freeman at 6%. There. So for uh, as a GPP play, a good amount of people are are, are just fairly well off of him. Uh, um, so th- for for that uh, price point and for that ownership percentage level, I think that you can expect um, just like to, to be a decent, uh, I guess you know back end punt GPP play overall on Fanduel. I'm not super mm-hmm. excited about it because it is Dallas, but you do also like that he's probably going to get the lion's share of the carries. There isn't too much of a threat. Um, but behind him in, in, in terms of making it a timeshare there. So, yeah, no. yeah, he's definitely a guy that I think you can take that chance on because he's going to see huge volume. And even though he's not a great running back, anytime you get someone who's going to see volume, you, you got to think that, you know, at the very least, they're going to make a decent play. Yeah. All right. So uh, who else we got? All right. We have um, Lorenzo Taliaferro was questionable, but it's looking like he's going to play right now. And it's not that I would use him. But last week he did, uh, he's basically their goal line guy. So he could vulture the touchdown from Justin Forsett. If he was out, I would have liked Forsett a lot more because I think um, Forsett probably would have been able to be in there in the goal line situations. But if Talia Farrow was in, like they're saying he is, that's going to tick down Forsett for me. I wouldn't use Talia Farrow, 
But I also think that takes Forsett kind of, you know, a little bit down a peg as well. So that's going to be something that's interesting. Yeah, that is interesting overall. The 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 only concern that I have here is that um, Justin Forsett has actually got a pretty good matchup there, and he's he's off the radar a little bit after a rough two weeks of the season. You take a look at uh, Forsett's ownership percentage; it's actually lower than um, Devontae Freeman's at three percent. So there's some opportunity definitely to cash in if they're finally able to make some hay and get something done against the Bengals at home. It's supposed to be a plus matchup, but Tadafira sort of takes a little bit of the wind out of those sails if he's going to be the touchdown vulture. So Yeah, I mean, I would have loved – I actually had Forsett thinking that Talia Farrow was going to be out. I had Forsett in for that exact reason. So, mm-hmm. like I said, it, it kind of, you know, kind of ticks him down a little bit for me. But uh, moving on, um, Jonathan Stewart is listed as questionable here. He has a knee injury, but they're saying that he's likely going to be in. He was limited on Thursday and Friday in practice, but all the beat writers are saying that, um, you know, he's going to be playing. They were just kind of taking it easy with him to make sure that he was good for that game. And now with that matchup, with everything looking like a mess on the other side of that game, you know, he could be somebody that sees high volume there. So it's a little bit, uh, you know, it's a little, it's a little bit tricky on that one. Um, he is going to probably play, but I don't know if he's 100%. Uh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, like, the, the only thing that I am re- really um, have to say about the Carolina situation here is that Cameron Artis Payne has been so not involved in the offense, though. So if they are willing to start him, you most for the most part feel fairly comfortable that he's going to get the lion's share of the work. Yep. And uh, now with Jericho Cotri out of the lineup that we're going to talk about here in a few minutes there, I would assume that um, you would you would hope that Jonathan Stewart is going to get the uh, the majority of the touches and even maybe potentially more work, maybe some work out of the backfield as, as a pass catcher there as well. So if the, the practice reports look good and he's active for Sunday, I'm going to trust him. Uh, in lineups, you're getting good. You're going to get a uh, a good overall value on him. Just taking a look at the price here on Stewart, 6,500, which is um, I, w- I, w- I believe actually cheaper than Devontae Freeman or the same price as Devontae Freeman. So mm-hmm. uh, exact same price as Devontae Freeman. So given the matchup that he that Carolina has, I'm probably going to try to go with James uh, with a little stew action. Uh, with New Orleans to me. I think it's a much better route to go and a, and a much safer floor. Uh, he, all he has to do is just look good on the Saturday and the Sunday practice and uh, injury update reports. Yep, and he's um, he's at home this week, and the line, once Breeze was announced out, the line on that game moved like five points in Carolina's favor. Mm-hmm. So they're a big favorite. They're at home. I mean, it's all the things you really like with the running back. So I, I could definitely see taking a chance on him. Um you know, he, he obviously gets the lion's share of the carries. It's basically just a chance on how healthy he is that you're taking. Gotcha. Uh, so let's see. Moving on from there, um, you know, we got a couple little things that are that are going on, uh, like Jonathan Grimes from Houston. Uh, he looks like he is going to be in. He practiced, and he's likely to be in. He's actually the third down back lately for Houston. So I was looking a little bit at a guy like Chris Polk who – basically has overtaken Alfred Blue as the main running back there in Houston. If Grimes was out, he probably would have got some third down work as well. Uh, but with Grimes in, that kind of ticks him down a little bit as well. So it's not a huge deal. I don't think a lot of people are going to be on him. But again, they're another team that's, uh, I think they're almost a seven-point favorite right now at home this week. So you're going to expect them to do a little bit of running in Houston. Um, I did like Polk. I like him a little less now with Grimes in there. I think that makes a lot of sense there overall. But if you just take a look at what's been happening in the Houston backfield, it's a mess. They're not productive, and no. it just shows you how important Arian um, Foster is to that offense when they when they get going. So I'm just going to go with an, an across-the-board fade. If you want to throw mm-hmm. a, like a, a, a Chris Polk into your lineup in a home run play GPP, fine. But you tell me who we're supposed to be interested in after two weeks with this Houston running offense and and. and added to the fact that Ryan Mallett has been just as ineffective or almost as ineffective as Brian Hoyer. So from a complete offensive standpoint, if your name is not DeAndre Hopkins, I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. I could understand that. Um, so moving on from there, we got uh, Chris Ivory is a true game time decision, which is something that I absolutely hate because it's very tough to kind of game plan around it. The good thing about that, though, is that is a 1 o'clock game. Um, so we should have some idea of it before lineups lock so that's always good because you can make those late changes so if he is out 
um, which I think is kind of likely because all the newspapers around here, the beat writers, they're all saying that it's not looking good for him to play. Um, I think you got to look at a guy like Bilal Powell who's going to pick up a lot of work. And you're also going to see a little bit of uh, Zach Stacy probably taking some early down, first and second down uh, running stuff. So Bilal Powell is probably the guy that you would change off to in that situation. Um, but Stacy's going to see a couple carries as well. I like this this option in there as well. If you look at what damage that uh, running backs have been able to do against the Philadelphia uh, Eagles there as well, like, um, for instance, Joseph Randall there uh, last week. Bilal Powell, 5,200 on Fandle uh, overall, and um, at the very least should um, pick up all the third down passing work. And, um, his, you know, he was, I think last season, he was uh, a starter there for a while, not for the entire season. Chris Ivory ended up being the main guy um, when, when he wasn't injured there. So for that price, it's going to be one of the most popular punt plays if Chris Ivory remains uh, out of the lineup, which uh, looks like there's a better than 50% chance that that actually happens there. So mm-hmm. um, one of the best plays on the board uh, today for sure. Yep. So moving on from there, we got a couple big name running backs that are you know, banged up as well. Uh, today is a big day up in Seattle because they're going to test out Marshawn Lynch's calf. Um, and from what the beat writers are saying about it, it seems like this is pretty serious. There's a very good chance that he could miss this game. If he is out, uh, our old friend Fred Jackson, they basically just took the whole Buffalo uh, backfield up there in Seattle. But um, our old friend Fred Jackson should be the guy who sees the lion's share of the carries with uh, some carries getting mixed in for Thomas Rolls as well. All right, so taking a look at what we got for Fred Jackson, I think this is going to be another good value opportunity here. Um, 6K against Chicago. If Lynch's calf comes back um, as a problem, which we should find out at some point today, then I'm going to need to take a bunch of shares of, of Fred Jackson for sure. Uh, he's a great option out of the passing uh in the, in the passing game of the backfield, he was already getting some third down and, and actually vultured a red zone touchdown, I believe, last week uh, against uh, Green Bay. So definitely going to have a ton of shares of Fred Jackson if, for some reason, uh, Marshall Lynch can't go. Uh, but aside from that, I think I'm going to just tick down Lynch a hair here because I think, what do we got, like a 14.5-point spread on this game? Yep. So good opportunity. There might be a good opportunity to just play Fred Jackson either way in a GPP and just um, – See see how it works out for you if you if you feel a little um, like like gambling a little bit here because there's a good chance that Seattle gets up pretty quickly and doesn't need to play Marshawn Lynch here and like you know too much in the second half particularly in the fourth quarter fourth quarter which could mean that you could see a lot more Fred Jackson and or Thomas Rawls there just finishing out the game in what is likely projected to be a blowout so mm-hmm. something else to keep in mind on there so a couple more running backs that have some issues I believe are am I correct. Yeah, there's a few more. Um, one I'm going to mention real quick is uh, Todd Gurley, who is in. Now, the thing about this is you're going to have Gurley and Mason were splitting first-team carries in practice all week, and Benny Cunningham is still the third-down running back. So the fact that Gurley is in basically takes all three of those guys out of play for me because there's going to be a split amongst all the carries, amongst all the third-down work, amongst the red zone stuff. So to me, I don't think you can play any of these guys for fantasy because – None of them are going to see the volume that you really want to see for upside. To me, that's just a a very straightforward situation where if everybody's getting a little piece, then I don't want a piece of anybody in that one. I'm with you 100% there. No St. Louis backfield. No St. Louis anyone. I I think you might make a case for Nick Foles (laughs) if you you really, really want to just based on the the – price point and you know you feel like you'll have they'll have to pass uh being behind against pittsburgh there in the second half but for the most part um it's it's a, an across the board fade for me yep um we also have eddie lacy now there is some updated news on eddie lacy and for daily fantasy players it's probably not what they wanted to hear um basically lacy was limited in practice on friday they still have him listed as questionable but everything is pointing to him likely being in now, with that being a Monday night game on FanDuel, it's going to be tough to use them because you're still not going to have any certainty. It's still going to be up in the air, but it's also going to be tough to use James Stark for the same exact reason as, you know, you really don't know what's going to happen with that Lacey situation. But like I said, it's looking like they're saying that it's looking like he's going to play, even though he was only limited in practice on Friday. But with them being playing on the Monday night game, 
it's really going to matter what happens at practice today. If he's able to practice today in full, I definitely think he'll be in. So if you hear anything about that later on today, that's a good sign. If he's still limited in practice today, the whole thing is just so up in the air. I don't know if you can use either one of those guys because um, you don't want to be caught basically getting a zero on your roster or to go to a guy like Stark and having him only get like five or six carries. Yeah, I'm going to probably just avoid it also. It's just Monday night situations here, and the way that you have it set up there, when you have an expensive player like Lacey in your lineup and then you have to drop down to uh, James Starks uh, for like a um, – well, actually, you're going to have to on Fandle. You're going to have to lock this lineup on Sunday, and yep. and I'm just not going to feel comfortable enough if he, you know, mm-hmm. has some sort of. I guess the safest play is James Starks if you want to go between the two because we know he's healthy and he'll be and he'll be active. Yes. Um, and if you know they get ahead against Kansas City, then there could be some some value there. But for me, I'm just going to not take the gamble because you have to line up, lock your lineup at 10 a.m. on Fandle, and you're you're going to seriously miss out on some value if you have to pull Lacey out of your lineup and then suffer the consequences of not being able to take the the cost savings that you were supposed to save and apply that elsewhere across your lineup there. So I think we're in agreement that um, no Lacey, no Starks for us here in week three. Yeah, it's just it's too much of a murky situation for me. Yeah. And then um, the last thing I wanted to mention with running backs is Andre Ellington did practice this week, but they're still saying that he's probably likely to be out. I'm not a Chris Johnson fan, to be honest with you. I would be a David Johnson fan if I thought he was going to get the, the, the carries or the touches, but I don't think he's going to. So that's another situation that I'm just going to be completely avoiding altogether. I'm not looking at anybody for the running game for Arizona. I, I agree with you there as well. I think you can take a, a, um, a flyer on David Johnson um, in GPPs, uh, and if we take a look at his ownership percentage, pretty good overall, 3.6% uh, on FanDuel after the Thursday tournaments that locked Uh, so there's some opportunity there the one thing i will say about david johnson is um corner pro football focus number one in fantasy points per opportunity so Mm -hmm. if they do if bruce aarons does what he promised and says and does increase his touches there overall there's some definite value there i just don't i'm still not excited about the timeshare overall but um if you're thinking about you know taking a, a gamble on some of these guys who are in this similar situation with the splits uh, like the James Starks, uh, uh, like the, um, I guess, Amir Abdullahs and the like, I think uh, David Johnson is probably has the, presented the most upside and the most um, production through the first two weeks of the season, and it should be a good matchup against the San Francisco 49ers. So some, there's some value there, but you're not out of the clear out of the woods in terms of getting the full line shares of touches. So yep. there's that piece of it. All right, uh, wide receivers, who's in and who's out this week? All right, well, the one guy who we know for sure is going to be out, um, they announced that Alshon Jeffrey is going to be out this week. Again, with the whole situation with Clawson and everything else over there, I mean, if you want to take a flyer on Eddie Royal, he's probably the best option to take a flyer on, but I am avoiding everybody on that Chicago offense against Seattle this week. Yep, fade all the way for me. Yep. So um, moving on from there, we don't even need to spend any more time on that one. Uh, you got a couple other wide receivers that I wanted to mention. Um, DeAndre Hopkins did finally pass the concussion protocol, did practice yesterday, so he's going to be in. So that's something that you, um, you know, you like to hear. I know a lot of people were talking about Cecil Shorts or Nate Washington if he was out, but uh, it looks like he's going to play. So he is clearly the best receiver in uh, in Houston. So you know he looks like he's good to go. So if you like him, you can roll him out there. Uh, let's see, we got Jericho Cotchery who's going to be out this week as well. Um, that means that you'll probably see a little bit more of uh, Devin Funches. But again, that Carolina passing game is a little bit of a mess, so I don't know if I want to you know, really do too much with that. Uh, two guys that that are a little bit interesting, though, are the last two we have here on the list. You got uh, Brand, uh, Marcus Wheaton, who is questionable, and it's looking like he's going to miss this game. Now, Darius hayward Bay, who's a guy I know you like, um, had a pretty good game last week, and if Marcus, even if Marcus Wheaton is in, I think that Bay has probably overtaken him at this point, wouldn't you say? Yeah, he's 
um, basically the, the um, higher targeted and the prefer, more preferred option uh, in terms of targets and receptions. So the first two weeks of the season for Ben Roth- Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers there. And they've basically sort of just taken Marcus Wheaton and said, you're just going to be the deep, deep route, take the top of the, off of the defense guy, and you, you can clear out the underneath stuff for Darius Hayward Bay and the middle of the field stuff for Antonio Brown. Well, Antonio Brown's just getting everything that doesn't happen to um, you know, get dumped off to the, to the rest of the offense. So that's Antonio yeah. Brown, and then um, Darius Harrod Bay has been doing the best job of cleaning up the secondary option stuff there as well. And um, I think we mentioned this earlier in the show, or we you and I discussed this, that uh, I believe for, through the first two weeks of the season, St. Louis uh, Rams have been allowing teams to complete 81% of their passes. Uh, so there's great opportunity to to make some hay there and i guess you should be a little bit concerned that Le'Veon bell comes back because he's also a pretty big factor out of the backfield but if you're looking for a cheap wide receiver option in a good matchup uh there on the road that a lot not a lot of people are necessarily going to be on um i dare say would pay for 5300 on fandle th- definitely makes some sense for me as a as a nice punt play if you're looking to to fill out a flex spot or a um a last wide receiver spot in your gpps no cash for dh for dhb for me but uh not a bad play at all for um wide receiver at gpp yeah i could see some upside for him in a tournament that's definitely uh definitely something that you should consider um and the last guy we have on the list here for wide receivers is Devontae adams with green bay and again it's trouble because this is a monday night game he Limited practice on Friday, um, still listed as questionable, but again, the beat writers are saying that he is likely to be in as well. He hasn't really had a big start to this season. Um, James Jones has been the guy catching all the touchdowns. Uh, Reggie Cobb had, actually, Reggie Cobb had a very good game last week. He had eight catches on 11 targets, and it was against Seattle, so he was matched up against Richard Sherman for a decent portion of that game, too. You mean Randall Cobb, right? uh, Randall Cobb, I'm sorry, yeah. Um, So... You know, that's definitely definitely something that I would consider. I know a lot of people have been playing Devontae Adams, and he really hasn't produced all that much so far this year. So, like I said, while he's questionable, I don't think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really mess around with that too much. Yeah, Reggie Cobb is the unknown practice guy uh, off the practice squad for the Packers who's going to come <laughs> in and take Randall Cobb's job because he's, he's younger, he's fresher. And um, a lot of people, no, not everybody knows about Reggie Cobb, so that's pretty there good. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I'm, I'm with you, though. I think that we're, we're safe in playing Randall Cobb now. We feel like, you know, three weeks in now, we've seen that um, he's been able to produce on a consistent level and the shoulder isn't too much of a hindrance for you to target him. And then we'll talk about this more as we get into it, but uh, I guess uh, for whatever reason, Aaron Rodgers just under-owned across the board here 4.9 mm-hmm. percent so if you don't have to go too far off the beaten path to get a uh a gpp play into your lineup that's super super safe if you're gonna you know pivot away from tom brady uh there and 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 try to do more damage in turn of ownership percentage just so i love aaron Rodgers this week uh, i think he's a a great great gpp play and probably one b in terms of cash so, yep uh there you have that all right uh so let's go through the tight ends here then we'll get into the ownership percentages yeah, there's a couple tight end things I just wanted to mention. Uh, we'll do it real quickly. Uh, Brandon Pettigrew is still out for the Detroit Lions, so Eric Ebron is going to continue to see the Lions share of the snaps as he has been. Uh, he's a good cheap option. He's caught a touchdown the first two weeks, been playing pretty well. We have uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins is out for a couple weeks. I don't think there's really a direct tight end swerve on Tampa Bay to use. Uh, Brandon Myers, I think, is going to be the guy who winds up seeing the, you know, the field more often at tight end. But I think that the targets are going to go probably to the wide receivers. Uh, you got Vincent Jackson, and you have a healthy Mike Evans who's no longer being limited this week. He practiced all week, so I think they'll see the extra targets. Uh, Ladarius Green is looking very questionable to play. He suffered his second concussion so far this year. Um, so those targets are also probably likely to go back to the wide receivers. Guys like Stevie Johnson, guys like uh, Keenan Allen will probably see a little bit of an uptick if Ladarius can't go. You have uh, Delaney Walker, who's been upgraded and is now probable. Um, he had something wrong. I don't know if it was his wrist or his hand, like something along those lines. But uh, Mariota does like going to the tight end. So I think that he could be a sneaky option. I don't think a lot of people are going to be on him this week. 
And then the big one to me is Dwayne Allen is definitely out, which means that Kobe Fleener will see all the tight end snaps. And if you remember last year when Dwayne Allen was out, as we spoke about when we talked about tight ends this week, uh, Kobe Fleener did have some big games. So he's an interesting option, and he's very cheap, very under-owned as of Thursday, although I think it'll be a little bit higher owned now that people know Allen is definitely out. But he's only 4900 on FanDuel this week. So Kobe Fleener is definitely somebody who I'm going to be taking a look at. Yeah, definitely some value there uh, um, overall. And I think that this is going to be the breakout game for Andrew Luck. I've said that, I think, three shows straight. So I'm going to keep that going. All right, um, so there it is. We've broken down all the injury situations and some possible um, value options to replace them if you're going to look into your lineups. Now let's go ahead and dig into this uh, great ownership percentage sheet that our own Benny Ricciardi put together based off of the uh, FanDuel uh, values. So we know exactly, um, just as, a, as an example, from one of their uh, GPPs, what we can sort of expect in terms of uh, ownership percentage there. So let's go ahead and start at the quarterback position. Uh, what interests you and stands out in terms of the ownership percentages that are out so far? All right, well, here's, here's basically what stands out to me. Um, what, I, what I do is I enter a whole bunch of lineups of the Thursday games, and then I try to get just about as many players as I can in there, a whole you know wide range of them. It's basically a waste of money for me because all the rosters, I'm more worried about getting the ownership percentages than I am about winning, so there's some free money in the uh, $2 snap for you guys on FanDuel every Thursday for me. <laughs> but... The information you can get from it is pretty valuable. What I found out is we have Tom Brady at a 31% ownership on Thursday. So he's far and away the highest owned quarterback on the day. And because of his price point, what you also see is the other guys that are in that same price point with him. You got Andrew Luck, who was basically about 2% owned. And you have Aaron Rodgers, who was only about 5% owned. So for cash games, I understand Brady is probably you know, going to be the nuts this week. He's probably going to be the top guy. There's a very good chance he's going to sling it around because that's what New England's been doing. But for a tournament, if you're trying to be a little bit different, you know, Aaron Rodgers at 5% basically means that the field is giving him a 1-in-20 chance of being the highest-scoring quarterback on the week. And if you think about it, last year Aaron Rodgers was the highest-scoring quarterback maybe three weeks throughout the season. So he's got about a 1-5 in five chance based on average with them playing 16 games. So if you can get 20-1 to one odds on a guy who should be 5-1, to one, you know, that's pretty good value to look Rodgers' way. So I think that Aaron Rodgers is somebody who really stands out to me as somebody that I want to use in my tournaments this week. I like that as a, as a play overall. Um, to me, you take a look at... There's, I guess, like a three or four player tier. Maybe you can call it five players. But then if you're going to tell me that Aaron Rodgers is the lowest of this tier, I'm going to be very interested. So you have Carson Palmer, Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, Roethlisberger, and Aaron Rodgers, who all make sense. You can all definitely defend and roll into your lineups and GPPs. Now what it comes down to here is how much is it going to cost you in a GPP to pair him with their top options? So you're definitely going to pay the most for um, Antonio Brown who is heavily owned there uh, as well, 26.9%. So there's that piece of it. Russell Wilson is the interesting part, too, because I still believe that he's a top-five GPP option. And um, Jimmy Graham is only 6.9% owned. I that I think you probably should still try to pair him with Jimmy Graham if you can, but you also have to t- sort of maybe look at getting Doug Baldwin involved, and he's also 5% owned. So there, there you go, 6% owned for Wilson, 5% owned for Doug Martin, and then... Uh, 6.9% owned for Jimmy Graham. If that offense does the damage through the air, which is not a guarantee, but it's, there's a good chance this is going to be pretty high scoring for Seattle there, you have a good three-man combo there that, um, and particularly when you use Doug Baldwin, you can probably still use a wide receiver one like a Antonio Brown, uh, you know, a Brandon Marshall, Julian Edmond, whoever you want to roll in there and, mm-hmm. and create a pretty good stack in, in that spot there. Um, and then Cam Newton, Cam Newton, I like for for I, I think he even makes sense for cash but for GPPs. But if you're gonna tr- like, I guess I guess you have to go Greg Olson. Would you agree in this spot? I mean, he's about the only pass catcher that Cam has that I would even consider to be honest with you. I would. Um, I know. I, I was gonna say I've heard people talk about um, Ginn this week yeah. too as a as a GPP home run option. Yeah. Um. So maybe if you're going using him in a tournament, I could see that. But Cam is also a guy who I think you can use in cash because. He's been running a lot, especially in the red zone, and 
that's very valuable. I think people undervalue when you could pick up uh, rushing yards with your quarterback with his legs. Yeah, Ted Ginn, uh, 5,200 on FanDuel there, so you're getting a great cost savings there. But it is definitely boom or bust. So you don't need him to do a ton of ton of damage actually to just pay off the $5,200 price tag. What what would you think you need? Like, like what, four catches um, for... If- Basically, what you need is him to have his normal game, but he needs to catch one long one. He needs to catch one 40-yard touchdown pass, uh-huh. and then if he just has those extra three or four catches for another 15 or 20 yards, yeah, you, you're going to get the value that you're looking for out of him. Right. So you, you so basically, you need like 10 fancy points, 10, 11 fancy points to pay off 5,200 is is what I'm getting at. Am, yeah. am I right? And then yeah, if somewhere you, around there. Yeah, and then if you hit on the the long bomb. Then you're golden. Then you've you've definitely, you know, built in some value into 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 your uh, your gamble on Ted again. Mm-hmm. All right, so there's the quarterback position here. Let's talk about um what's happening here at running back here and who presents the most value for for our GPPs and cash games. Well, the running back thing. The first thing I want to mention is we had Matt Jones was 17% owned on Thursday night. You uh his yeah that I I like I said I was shocked when I saw that I couldn't believe that many people were on him. And Alfred Morris was also 8% owned. So there was 25% ownership on Thursday night on Washington Redskins running backs. Yikes. Um, so some of these numbers are going to go up a little bit. Uh, Jones, I'm pretty sure, was in that 6,500 range. Um, around some of the guys we talked about before, like the Starks and the uh, Joseph Randles, the Devonta Freeman. So some of those numbers that we mentioned here to you guys are going to go up a little bit from what we say. Um, because you don't have those guys in the pool now for Sunday. But a couple interesting things to me. The highest-owned running back on the day was Le'Veon Bell at 16.6% fresh off his suspension, which I can't really argue with. Um, You know, like I said, there are other guys in that price range. Uh, We had Marshawn Lynch at 10%, Adrian Peterson at 11%. I think I'm – and even uh, Jamal Charles at like 11 12% as well. I think of all those guys, you know, like I mentioned the other day, I think Peterson is the guy who I like the most. And seeing that he's lower owned than Le'Veon Bell, um, I think that that's probably a good situation that I would go to. Uh, We had Latavius Murray was 12 or 13%. Like you and I both really liked him this week. I don't think that's too high of an ownership where it's going to scare me away from him. The one guy whose ownership rate was high enough that it might scare me away is Deion Lewis from uh, New England. He is 17, 16.5%, 17% owned on the Thursday lock games here. And I just feel like that's a little bit too high of an ownership on uh, Deion Lewis for me. You know what I see? I see like people almost full team stacking here, the, the whole Brady, um, um, yep. uh, New England Patriots offense here. You got oh, yeah. Brady at 30%, Deion Lewis at 16 Julian Elliman is above Antonio Brown at 30, 37%. I guess I understand that because you get the cost savings out of that. But mm-hmm. um, this is my situation that you have here. It's like uh, you can't – you're going to be, uh, I guess, too invested. And in if you have all four guys of these in your lineup, it's not like baseball where, you know, you can always just stack every player and get value. Somebody's going to miss somewhere. And so you're I, my preferred method of doing this here is if you're going to play Tom Brady – for cash or for GPPs, then you then in one lineup you pair him with Julian, Julian Elliman, and then you come off of Gronk, and then you create another lineup, and then you the, your other lineup, then you um, split that with Gronkowski there as well. Rather than being all in and, and invested, so there's some definitely some safer options and ways to differentiate your lineup that you can still, um, you know, create less exposure and less risk for yourself because if that team bombs. Um, you know, or, you know, if if Brady has a good game but goes away from, you know, Gronk or for whatever reason Aaron Dobson blows up or, you know, we see LeGarrette Blunt come back and, you know, yeah. vulture two touchdowns, you're going to be in a very tough spot if you're all in on all four of those guys. You agree there? Yeah, I mean, you. the last thing you said is the thing that concerns me the most is, you know, people had been talking earlier in the week that maybe this is a LeGarrette Blunt game. And what happens if he gets two touchdowns? What happens if they score... Let's say they score 34 points, four touchdowns, two field goals, and Blount comes in and gets two of those touchdowns. Well, now you're left with only two touchdowns that Brady threw, and if you use Deion Lewis, Julian Edelman, and Rob Gronkowski, well, you can't have a touchdown for each of them if you only have two left over from there. I think that in, you know, this is the way I look at it is in cash, I understand people going with Brady, and I understand that you want to link him with 
one, maybe even two. With the amount that they throw, I think you could support, you know, maybe two of these guys. Maybe like an Edelman and a Gronkowski if you're looking at it going that way. Or if you're a Deion Lewis fan and you want to use him and Gronk or him and Edelman. But um, I, I just, for a tournament, you know, like you said, if you have 37% of people on Julian Edelman, if Julian Edelman has a bad game, you've basically knocked out two-fifths of the field. You know, if Julian Edelman doesn't score a touchdown, only makes maybe four or five catches for 50 or 60 yards, with him being 40% owned and Brady being 30% owned, if you're one of the people who decides to go a different way, you're going to get a lot of, you know, basically you're getting really good odds to fade these guys in the tournament. If you're somebody who rolls out a lot of rosters, if you roll out multiple entries, I think I still want to have a little bit of exposure to this New England game. You still want to have some of these guys. But I think I'm going to be less exposed to it than the field is. And I'm going to try to find other ways to beat them. So if they do have a bad game, which, again, happens to everybody now and then, um, you're going to give yourself a really, really good chance to make the money because you're going to be knocking out huge portions of the field. Yeah, I agree with you there. If you set a lineup here, you can come up with a lineup that doesn't have to have Brady, Gronk, and Julian Edelman in there. You There there you go. Um, just on Julian Edelman alone, 37% owned there. So you've um, vaulted yourself way up, like, you know, very close to the cash spot overall when, you, when you're able to dump those teams um, out of your lineups here. So I'm definitely not going to – Brady all day for cash. Great. I love it. GPPs, give me – Anybody from Carson Palmer, Cam Wilson, Roethlisberger, Rodgers on, on down. And uh, interesting also to me that right behind Rodgers is Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor is uh, is a guy that's yes. been sort of like talked about this week. And we mentioned, yep. I think you mentioned that we, we we discussed it briefly as, you know, a guy you can make a case for, for, for GPP. So all of those make better players for pure upside and a lower mm-hmm. ownership percentage when setting up your GPPs. All right. Um, so we were talking about the running backs here as well. Um, let's slide down to some uh, quick value plays there. Joseph Randall at 4.4% is interesting and surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess maybe this is just so because people still don't like the fact that Lance Dunbar is in there, you know, taking all out of the passing game work overall. But I, f- I felt like, don't you feel like he should have been a little bit higher on knowing that Brandon Reed was going to be in the lineup here this week? Well, I think there's another interesting thing at work in that situation too. There's a lot of guys that are splitting the money at that at that spot right there around that $6,500 range you got guys like Stark you got guys like Randall um Devonta Freeman is there Danny Woodhead is there uh Isaiah Crowell is there and there are people that are on all of these guys like two percent three percent four percent five percent six percent um so I think when people get down to that range it's not like there's only one option there there are four or five or six different options that all you could make a case for all those guys so when you have a situation like that where there are multiple guys that do make a little bit of sense all at the same price, it's actually good because they're splitting it all off. So if you have a strong feeling about one of those guys or two of those guys, you're going to get them at a lower ownership rate than you are, you know, say like a guy like Deion Lewis who's a, who's 6,700. He's taking a lot of the money in that range. So any of those other guys that you like, you're probably going to get at lower ownership. Yeah, I, I agree with you there as well. Um, so let's go ahead and just like highlight a couple guys that you think, just based on the ownership percentage here and the price point that we're going to be able to get them at, would make sense for us to take a take a shot on. Uh, for the running back position, um, I actually have been looking a little bit at a guy like uh, Isaiah Crowell at two and a half percent. He has been getting more of the the carries than uh, Duke Johnson. They are favored in that game, although I do think that Oakland makes a good play in that game, and I like Latavius Murray. I don't hate Crowell down there, too. Um, Let's see. We have Danny Woodhead at 7.8%. Makes a little bit of sense to me as well. Uh, If you're looking for some really low-owned guys, C.J. Anderson is only 2%, and I know he hasn't had a really good start to this season, but I do think that he has a chance as a GPP play to have a big week and bounce back, and that would be something that, um, would get you, you know, really, really move you up in the tournament. There's a couple other guys here that are really low owned that I think the ownership rate is going to jump on because of some of the injuries that we talked about. So, um, you know, you're looking at a guy like Eddie Lacy, who's basically not owned at all. If he's going to be in, I think that his ownership rate will be a little bit more. 
Um, but honestly, I think I think it's really rough, really tough at running back this week. Running back is not a position where there's a lot of guys at the low end that are really jumping out at me and telling me that, you know, this is a big situation. Uh, I do like Mark Ingram a little bit as well, who's very low owned. And that mostly has to do with the fact that Breeze isn't going to be in, and I think they're going to have to keep it on the ground. So those are just some of the guys that I'm looking at here. Um, again, there's a lot of a lot of low-owned options down there. Uh, the guys up top that we talked about, though, are probably the guys that most people are going to be gravitating towards. So any of those guys that we just mentioned, you're going to get low-owned if you really like them. Um, for me, I uh, just want to quickly talk about two guys up there here at the top. Levin Mamba at 16.6% and Adrian Peterson at 112 I think Adrian Peterson is a much safer play, and with uh, like nearly the same ceiling, maybe a, a better ceiling here this week because you don't have to worry about him being on on a snap count uh, with uh, Le'Veon Bell. I mean, I'm not saying that Le'Veon Bell is going to be on snap count, but I won't be surprised if it happens because a you know it's his first game uh, of the season back here active in the lineup, and you know so you just don't want to run that guy out there for every single. Um, you know, snap on every possession. And B, uh, D'Angelo Williams has been pretty productive behind him, so you don't feel like you lose a ton uh, rolling him into the lineup, you know, to sort of uh, keep the wear and tear off of him and, and not overwork Le'Veon Bell there in week two. So just something to consider. Uh, wide receivers there, who who makes some sense for you in terms of ownership percentage here this week? Well, let's talk about some of the high-owned guys first. I mean, Brandon Marshall is a guy who I love this week. He's 17% owned, which I don't think is too too high to use him. I think that's actually about where he should be, maybe even a little bit under where I think he should be for the matchup that he has. Um, Larry Fitzgerald at 22%. At first, I thought that was a little high, but when you look at his price of 6700 and you really check out that matchup that they have there, um, he is the guy who's getting the most targets. Him and Palmer have a good relationship. Uh, I don't think that's... It's definitely not low-owned. Um, it's probably higher-owned than he should be, but I understand that it makes a lot of sense. Uh, Dante Moncrief is 15% owned, and he's only $6,000. So I can understand, again, why you know he is that highly owned. He's been very good so far for Indianapolis. And remember, his price is based on you know before the Monday night football game it came out. If they repriced that after the Monday night football game, I don't think you would still be getting him at only $6,000. So he is a little too cheap today. Uh, there's a lot of guys that are on the lower end, though, guys who don't really have the greatest matchup but are incredibly low-owned if you're trying to differentiate a roster. Uh, you have A.J. Green at 2.5%. You have Calvin Johnson at 2%. You have DeAndre Hopkins at 1.5%. You have Vincent Jackson and Mike Evans at only 1% owned. Um, so these are some of the big, big names in uh, the NFL when it comes to wide receivers. Uh, Demarius Thomas is only 7%. Julio Jones is only 7.5%. Uh, Randall Cobb, who we talked about before, 5.5%. So some of these guys that you can get at the really low ownership, you know, remember, the idea is not to take a whole bunch of low-owned guys and put them in your roster. It's to take the guys who make the most sense and then maybe throw in one of these guys who still has upside but is somebody who's getting overlooked. And all those guys I just mentioned that, you know, 8% or below are guys who can really push you up in a tournament if they have a big game. And, again, we're not talking about some flyer here. We're talking about, you know, Julio Jones, Calvin Johnson, A.J. Green. I mean, guys who, you know, you know the names, you know they're going to get targets, you know the kind of talent that these guys have. So these are the kind of guys that you want to look at that everybody else is overlooking that could really push you up in the tournament. I, I totally agree with you there as well. Um, Jarvis Landry for me at 4.4% is, is fairly interesting. And Stevie Johnson at 4% uh, I think can make a lot of sense. A lot of people um, like Michael Trabkey's matchup against, uh, in, uh, as against the number two corner in Cleveland. It's going to be uh, Tremont Williams if I'm correct. Uh, mm. So um, we'll, we'll see. I, I'm not as excited about it as other people, but he is getting a ton of volume, and you know they could be behind in the second half in that game on the road in Cleveland, so he could end up with a good amount of targets there uh, as well. Calvin Johnson at 2.1% owned is that's too low, don't don't yep. you think? There's all like I mean, you're not getting a, a huge price discount, but he's not priced in the top five uh, there as well. So if you um, we're, we're talking about the guy who used to be like far and away, like, you know, 500 to 1,000 more than every other wide receiver, um, you know, in, in his peak. So I have a hard time believing he's fallen that far down that you need to, um, you know, just avoid him altogether. So I'm going to have some shares of Calvin Johnson there. I don't, I don't necessarily mind a, 
Stafford, Calvin Johnson stack. It's probably not the most exciting option uh, that that you have uh, available there as well. And um, it is going to be against Denver, so you really are gambling there. Um, but if anybody has a chance to br- to break out, given that ownership percentage and that you know the talent level, I would I would say it would be probably Calvin Johnson. All right, so um, let's talk about the tight end position here. Um, it's I mean obviously we have a uh, you know fewer fewer options. And the, and the interesting thing, too, is if you take a look at the ownership percentages, once you get, what, outside the top 11, 12 guys, no one is really too interested in um, these some of these secondary options here. So everybody's look, looking like they're keeping it pretty chalky here at the tight end spot. Is that what you recommend as well? Uh, well, you know, you got Gronk at 27% ownership. One thing you have to realize, too, is uh, Jordan Reed was 20% owned on Thursday night. So everybody basically below Gronk is going to have a little bit more exposure on Sunday with Jordan Reed not being in there anymore. Um, So you could probably basically add like 2 or 3% to all these numbers that we're going to talk here. Uh, Tyler Eifert was really the only other guy that was pretty highly owned. He was at 10% on the Thursday lock, so you'll probably see him somewhere around 13 or 14% here. Um, Jimmy Graham at 7%. He'll probably wind up at 10%. That's still something interesting. Uh, same thing goes for Travis Kelsey, who's a guy we mentioned in the uh, tight end section, somebody who I, I really like this week. Um, you can get some of these lower-owned guys like uh, Crockett Gilmore or Greg, Greg Olson was only 5%. Gilmore was 3%. Uh, Ebron was 3%. And, you know, again, you know, Kobe Fleener was less than 1% owned here. I think that number will go up, obviously, now that we do have certainty about the Dwayne Allen situation. Um, but... You know, basically Gronk is going to take most of the action here. And again, it's tough to fade him because he is basically has the highest floor and the highest ceiling of anybody at the tight end position. Um, but again, if you're looking in a tournament to try to do something different and knock out the field, you know, if we do get one of those games where, you know, like Garrett Blount has a couple touchdowns or maybe Julian Edelman gets the touchdowns here today and Gronk doesn't get the touchdown and they wind up running more in the second half, you know, if you fade Gronk, which is never something that makes you feel good, you're knocking out about a third of the field if, uh, you know, he doesn't have a good game. So there's definitely some merit to it if you're doing it in a tournament. Um, but again, I mean, it's not something that you feel good about. But, you know, we're trying to win a tournament here. So we're looking for things that we can do that are going to give us the best odds to do that. And fading him would be one of the ways to do that. All right. So Travis Kelsey to me is interesting at 6,400 as well, given the ownership percentage there. Uh, as well, and then we take a look at, um, you know, some of these other options. Greg Olson for fifty nine hundred makes a lot of sense for me, and uh, for Tyler Eifert, I guess I would sort of, I think I want to lean Eifert because I feel like he's the better player between the two. But I think there might be out more opportunity for Greg Olson, especially against New Orleans. So that's something to keep in mind. And I love your Kobe Fleener pick because you get a good cost savings, and no one is on him. So. Um, He's definitely not the, the probably, I mean, 4900 on FanDuel, probably not one of the better options, but if you really need to drop down at tight end and, and save some cash because you spent up at other positions, Kobe Fleener makes a lot of sense for me. All right, and let's go ahead and wrap it up here with the defense here. It's, defense to me is it's a little bit tough because um, there aren't a ton of great safe options. You know, teams that we thought that we could play last week sort of showed us that, you know, they're not as safe as we thought, like the Rams and the Baltimore Ravens against Oakland here. So I think there's a couple top-tier options, and then after that, you really are rolling the dice. Well, here's here's my thing about last week. All those teams that we mentioned last week, all the teams that everybody was on, all the high-owned teams, were all on the road. Right. And that's something that I think a lot of people overlooked, including myself, because I was all over the Ravens' defense, and they, they basically, you know, I think they wound up with a negative one for me and hurt a lot of my rosters last week. But the one thing I want to mention here about defenses is if you had a friend who just started playing DFS and said to you, what do I look for when I'm looking for a defense to <clears throat> to basically roster? You would basically tell him all the things that are the situation that Seattle is in today. They're at home. They're a huge favorite. They're playing a backup quarterback. They're 0-2 with their back against the wall in a must-win game. They're getting back one of their emotional leaders and their safety camp chancellor. It's, I mean, it's like the perfect storm. And I think people are overthinking it this week. I expected Seattle's defense to be 30 or 40% owned. So in some of my tournaments, I was already starting to look at the other teams that are up there, like the Jets and Denver and the Patriots, 
who were teams that I figured would have been lower owned with Seattle being so highly owned. Seattle only wound up at 18% ownership, meaning that basically people are giving them less than a 5-1 to one chance to be the best defense this week. I would think that they're at a minimum about a 3-1 to one chance to be the best defense this week, meaning that if they're less than 33%, I want to have exposure to them. So if you're somebody who multi-enters, or even if you're somebody who just puts in one lineup, I think that people are overthinking using Seattle and trying to go away from them, thinking they're going to be so highly owned. But at 18%, I think that they're actually lower old than I expected them to be. So I want to have more exposure to the Seattle Seahawks this week than the field would be. So if you're somebody who's putting 10 entries into, say, the uh, you know Sunday Millions on FanDuel, instead of having two of them, which would give you the same amount of exposure as the field, I'm going to try to have five of them so I have more exposure than everybody else does because I think people are overthinking it. It's such a good situation that I want as much exposure to it as I can, especially if other people are not going to be going for that much exposure to it. I, I agree with you, first of all. I want to say that, too. Seattle is definitely the play. You don't have to um, think too hard to, to figure out that this is the spot you want to be in. The only thing I, I, I want to add is that if you subtract the Washington Redskins out of this lineup, and I guess for um, I guess nobody wanted to play the, the Giants, uh, there uh, on the Thursday night game, then then it's probably going to be in a situation where it is up over twenty percent and probably not a ton over twenty percent. But you know when we expected it to be like thirty something percent, um, it's still an, an awesome play. And the only other thing that probably is holding back people from using Seattle is that people like to use defense as their punt play position to save cash and be like, oh, whatever I can afford left after I've spent, you know. And Seattle is a top price defense. It's like not everybody um, manages to afford them or work them into their lineup because. You know, defense gets treated like the ugly stepchild when filling out your salary caps. So mm-hmm. that's the only issue that people have. But you should probably, you know, maybe think about changing it up here because uh, we, I think you and I both all agree the ceiling is higher for the for some pick sixes and some defensive scoring in Seattle more than in any other uh, spot here on the slate today. So don't treat them like your ugly stepchild. Figure out a way to get Seattle D in there and then um, what you can you can move on there and you know figure out another situation where you can save some cash because the cost uh, savings uh, or the you know the opportunity that they're going to present uh, is you know higher than any other defense you can roster this week. So um, that is going to cover uh, the ownership percentage by position. So want to let you quickly know that um, if you haven't got into uh, fantasy football here for DFS right now. You, you've seen the ads. Your friends are playing, and now it's your turn to get signed up at FanDuel.com. FanDuel is a leader in one-week fantasy football with more winners and more paths than any other site. The money is real, and they're paying out over $75 million this week uh, during mm-hmm. the 2015 football season. Building a team is easy. Just pick your players, stay under the salary cap, and sit back on Sunday and watch your team win. Entry fees start at just $1 so anyone can play. You know fantasy football. Now prove it at FanDuel.com. So all you have to do is go to FanDuel.com, click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner, and use the promo code RWDFS and sign up now. Special offer for new users. For every dollar you deposit on FanDuel, we'll match it up to $200, and that gets earned as you play. That's a bonus of up to $200. The offer is only good for the first 50 people that use this promo code here, RWDFS. Don't forget to use my code here, RWDFS. FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Sign up to day all right benny um one last play before uh we get off the board here take a look at these ownership percentage give me your home run play for week three um the home run play for week three for me i'm actually going to be going to the quarterback spot and i know we talked about him already but aaron Rodgers at only five percent completely jumped off the page to me when i first saw these numbers and i basically just started making aaron Rodgers lineups as soon as i saw that so to me, if you're looking for a GPP play that could give you the upside and help you win a tournament this week, I'm going to be going away from Tom Brady, who's really, really highly owned, and I'm going to have a lot of shares of Aaron Rodgers. Plus, I like having the Monday Night Hammer. Uh, I love the Monday Night Sweat there as well. For me, I'm going to go um, down here, and I'm going to say that this is my last chance for C.J. Anderson to make me look good. Okay? Um, 2% owned, and... Uh, I think everybody has basically fallen off the bandwagon. C.J. Anderson himself has told people to drop him in their season-long leagues. <laughs> so, uh, but if you take a look at what he's going to cost you today on FanDuel, there, seventy-three hundred. 
uh, at Detroit, which is not a, a great run defense. Adrian Peterson uh, managed to do a good amount of damage against them there. So this is the week I think C.J. Anderson actually gets on track. And because he's a middle-priced option, not the cheapest option, um, I don't think – and you look at the ownership percentage, not, not too many people are very interested in C.J. Anderson. So I'm not ready to abandon ship. After this week, if he wets the bed for three weeks in a row, then fine. But I'm going to give him one more shot this week. All right, that is going to wrap it up for the RotoWire DFS podcast. We want to let you know uh, that you can subscribe to the RotoWire DFS podcast on uh, iTunes and Stitcher for your downloading convenience. So be sure to give us a rating or review, and don't forget to subscribe. The RotoWire DFS podcast is brought to you by FanDuel.com, the leader in one-week fantasy football. And you can also check out uh, Benny Richardi at BennyR11 on Twitter and send all your comments, complaints, and questions to me on Twitter at Josh Hayes FS. Good luck in Week Three matchups, everybody, and thanks for listening.